Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. Hello to those who are watching uh, online. We always hear every week from folks who are watching in a lot of different uh, places, so we're glad that you're with us this morning. And we're in a series called A Place for You, and that's really what we want New Vision uh, to be. We want it to be a place for you and a place uh, for your family that God could really do a great work. We, we say around here a whole lot that you don't belong to anything more important than a local body of believers. And so uh, today is really an important day. Today is a, a chance to really, if you're, if you're new here, to see some things that are a little bit distinctive about New Vision. Uh, if you're uh, not new, uh, like me, you've been around here for a while, it's a good chance to be reminded. And, and I have to say in preparing this, some of the things obviously you're going to hear me say we've said uh, many times before, but today has been a real encouragement. Let, let's put this process up on the screen. Um, if you've been around New Vision for, for a while, uh, you know that this is not new. I, I was looking at this. We have been talking about this process for 15 years. Uh, that's how long Amy and I have been here uh, serving as pastor at New Vision. And there have been a lot of changes that have happened here. Uh, this is the third different worship center that we've been in. We've done some things as far as the church that have been great. I, I've made some decisions that haven't been so good. Uh, but this is a, a process that from the jump just hasn't changed. And then that that feels pretty good in many ways. So we've said this is a, we want New Vision to be a place for you because we believe what happens in worship really prepares us for what happens for the rest of the week. And I, I hope you experience that even in the last 15 minutes. I, I hope you've been a little bit encouraged because I, it is an exciting time just to be here around believers and focusing on the Lord. Um, next, we, we say that New Vision is a place where you can connect and that's, uh, that's harder you know, it's a, it's a little bit easier to come and slip into this environment, but as we connect inside a small group, that's where we really develop community. People know us and we're known, and, and these are hills that we're going to dial on. These are things that we so desperately want for you, and just this week, seeing, you know, August is kind of like the new, sep- uh, the new January, almost said the new September, that'd be weird, wouldn't it? Um, but school's getting started, and we kind of get back to some priorities in our life. And so seeing so many folks connected in a group this week has been, been really cool. And then I thought Todd did a great job last week talking about serving. And, and again, when we talk about serving here, it's not because we want anything from you. We want something for you. And as we understand how we're gifted as followers of Jesus Christ, and we start to use that gifting to bring God's glory, God glory. It isn't that it's easy all the time but we're a part of something far greater than us, and it, and it really is something that encourages us and grows our faith. And so today as we um, look at home plate, I, I want you to see it as not the last thing, but really it, in many ways it could be the first thing. Because you think about home plate, that's where you start the whole process, right? If your kid played t-ball, you know, you, you go to home plate first, and sometimes they run to third and to second, and they go backwards. But for us, we say go, and What we mean by that is we build that off the Great Commission, which we'll take a look at in just a few moments, where Jesus said, as you go, make disciples of all nations, meaning as a part of your everyday life, help people to understand who Christ is, what has he done, and what could he do in their life, and then we begin to take them around the bases, these people that God has placed in our life. And so, you know... Some of you are already in, intuitive enough. You're saying, okay, so this is a message on witnessing. 
And that's where you hit the exit ramp mentally. I do that. Like you, you listen to a message and, you, and, and in the first five minutes you're thinking, okay, that's kind of something I'm interested in because I want to be a better husband. It hasn't been the best week in my home. Or I want to be a better dad because I'd like a little bit about that. Or I want to know how to have some wisdom, godly wisdom in my life. So I'm interested in that. But then, then sometimes there are messages and we're like, exit ramp, not interested in that. Well, this is probably one of those. But let me just stop you for a moment because there are two topics that I love to teach on for different reasons than what you might think. Number one, money. And you're like, oh, yeah, see, all you guys are alike. But I don't, I don't like to teach on money because it's a chance to raise money for the church. God moves and works in our life and draws us to generosity. I like to teach on money because it creates, to be honest, a lot of emotion. And people get very angry and, and it, you know, you, you, you can't kind of hide. I mean, you, you know what you're giving, you know what you're not giving. And, and so when you teach on money and see what the Bible has to say about money, your response, a negative response to what the Scripture is saying really is a check engine light for something else that's going on in your life. Does that make sense? I know that's not fun, but let's be honest. What we want is spiritual growth. Would you agree with that? Let me ask you that question again. What we really want is spiritual growth, isn't it? But we don't really know how we're doing all the time, right? I mean, it's hard to know, well, how are you doing? Well, fine. Well, you see, it's sometimes there are things that are sort of check engine lights that kind of say, oh, that may be something deeper going on. And so witnessing is one of those. Because most people in the church have somewhat of a negative response to this. You know, I don't really, I don't, that's not really my thing. That's not really my giftedness, and I'm not really into that. God's called me to make disciples, and, and, and we have all these different ex- excuses. But, but here's what I would say. If there is some resistance to what we're talking about today, look at it as a check engine light. And it could be a chance for you to see something in your life that God wants to change, and that could be a great thing. Don't be afraid of that. You know, is it... As it relates to uh, evangelism, at the end of the day, it's really um, multiple reasons why we don't tell anybody about Jesus. And and not to beat you up, but um, about 9 out of 10 folks who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, uh, 90% of folks have never shared who, who Jesus is to them to another person. It's really an amazing statistic, isn't it? And so it begs the question, why? Why don't people really talk about who Jesus is? Well, some would say, well, people can just believe what they want to believe, and it's not really my right to tell people what to believe. We're not telling people what to believe. We're telling people who Jesus is to us, right, because he's commanded us to do that. Um, secondly, what we might say is, is this, and this is the hard part. You know, sometimes in our life, and this happens in my life, I just ebb and flow spiritually. Do you? I mean, there are times where I feel so close to the Lord, and then there are times that I sort of, I just drift. Is that awkward to hear your pastor say that? It's true. And I find the times that I'm closer to the Lord, then it's a bit easier for me to pray for folks in my life who don't know the Lord. It's easier for me to invite someone to something that's going on. It's easier for me to be more intentional about evangelism. So, you know, as as sin kind of creeps in 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 my life and busyness creeps into my life, then my passion for uh, evangelism fades. But then lastly, this is the real hard part. You know, what is the reason that that many people don't share? Um, The hard part is some people don't share the story of Jesus because they don't have a story. Because what I've found about stories is most of us don't have a problem sharing a story. 
Um, yesterday, uh, my youngest son and I were in West Tennessee, and we stopped at a friend's house and, and uh, fished in his ponds, kind of shooting fish in a barrel. But anyways, they're good fish. And, uh, and so well, I'll show you a picture here. Yeah, that's one that my son called. That's a really big bass. And then, uh, and then that's one. Mine's bigger. But anyways, <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure. And so why, why did I show you that to brag? Well, partly to brag. Um, but partly because it was sort of funny after we caught, the first thing now when you catch a fish like that, if you're a fisherman, the first thing you do, you just got to get pictures on your phone, and a bunch of them, hold them in different angles, and then you got to start texting those pictures out to everybody that, you know, right? And so I'm in my truck sending texts out, and one of my buddies texted me back and said, have y'all caught any more? I said, no. He said, why not? Because we're not fishing. What do you mean you're not fishing? We're sending pictures out of the fish that we just caught. Because that's what's really fun, telling the story. I think telling the story might be more fun than catching the fish. You, 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 nobody has to, to, to tell me. It's not like I got home and whispered to Amy, we, we caught a couple of good fish. What, did you tell anybody? I didn't think about it. It was real natural. And I have found this to be true, that when we just stop and reflect, sometimes we have to remember of where we were when we met him and what he did and how he began to meet us at a point of fear or desperation and how he rescued us and what our life was like in those days and those moments after that rescue. And it was so exciting. It was so real. It was so amazing that, you know what, nobody had to tell us to tell someone because it was our story. And so I think one of the things about witnessing is it gives us a chance to say, you know, what is, what is my story? Really quickly before we look at our passage today, I think you need to know this about this church. I, I talk to pastors, I get a chance to talk to pastors from all over the country, and pastors ask this question a lot. And they say, you know what, we don't understand why churches aren't growing, why are so many, so many churches are closing their doors in our city, why are churches not growing? Well, there's a lot of reasons. I'll tell you one reason why churches aren't growing, because they don't want to. Something is really inherent in the part of the heart of a human being is when we gather some friends and some people that we like and we kind of get our culture and we kind of get our group, we sort of like that. And anybody else on the outside, although we might say that would be a great thing, anybody else on the outside is a bit of an intrusion to what's comfortable. And so a lot of reasons why churches don't grow is they don't want to grow, to be honest. Now, that's offensive and people don't like to hear that, but that's sort of the deal. And it's always something that we have to fight about here. It's always something that we're fighting. And I think I'll fight this fight until I'm done with ministry. People, people are saying things here. I'll hear this all the time. Hey, you know what? We're doing, why, why are we doing a fourth service? How many services are going to do? I mean, when is enough going to be enough? Why are you so focused on that? Let me tell you. Let me tell you when enough will be enough. When everybody in Murfreesboro, Tennessee claims the name of Jesus as Savior and Lord, that's when enough will be enough. You know, Someone said this to me this week, and um, it, it, was a good, it was a good test for me. It was two weeks ago. It was a good test for me spiritually because if they'd have said it 10 years ago, I'd have been in our prison ministry that week. <laughs> they said, you know what, with these buildings that you have here, we just want to build, you, you, what, 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 what's your deal? You want to build another memorial to yourself? Oh, dude, you don't even know. And I just walked away. It was, it was so hurtful. And I think anybody who knows me knows that's not who I am or what, what I'm about. I, I could care less about buildings. Buildings are tools. But, you know, I, I wanted to walk him. I walked around last week. You know, we have, let, let me just tell you this real quickly. There were 1,100 middle school and high school students 
here on Wednesday night, between here and Buchanan. That is a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. For the three of you clapping, that's a lot. When we were, at, when we were out at Buchanan, when we first met with the folks out there at Buchanan, there was one family who had a couple kids. That's all that was there. Um, and, and, and this past Wednesday night at Buchanan, there were like 80-some-odd uh, young people there. Three of them were invited by their friends and prayed to receive Christ on Wednesday night. Isn't that exciting? I love that. I, I, I can't get enough of that. And, and there were 60-some-odd decisions here. Well, let, let me tell you something. Those kids need to be discipled. I mean, they were meeting in here. They've already kicked us out of this room on Wednesday night. I was walking around last week. We had kids in stairwells, sitting on the floor in stairwells, studying the Bible. Now, that's exciting, but it's also a challenge that, you know what, we've we, we got we to be aggressive. We've got we to gotta keep going to, to reach students and to, and to disciple them. Let, let me tell you something else. Would you look here for just a moment? Do you understand that we're involved, in a, we're involved in a movement? I'm not talking about New Vision here. I'm talking about Middle Tennessee. I'm a Middle Tennessee guy. I've been here my whole life. The country is moving to Middle Tennessee. <laughs> is that right? I mean, look at your neighbors. They're from Pittsburgh. They're from Sacramento. Uh, they're from Rhode Island. Uh, they're from Florida. We're not allowing any more from Oklahoma. There were some. We maxed that out. That's over in Louisiana. We stopped that here. No, but they're everywhere. And, and you're watching. I mean, Nashville is, people say, Nashville is hot. It's been hot. There are people coming. And so here's what I wish the church would look at it. You know, people talk about, I hear more people talk about their property values going up than anything else. Boy, you see how much our, 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 and and that's true. That's a good thing. Can I tell you what's exciting is people from all over the country are coming to us. Could God be up to something that we get a chance for this season to tell the truth of who he is to them as they come to us? wonder if we looked at it that way. You know, instead of looking at, boy, I I wish it was the way it was before. It wasn't so crowded to get around town. Thank God that people are coming here, right here. There are neighbors that we get a chance to to interact with, with, share the truth of, of who Jesus is, and perhaps their eternity could be altered because of a move that they made here. I mean, today... Today, this campus here, Middle Tennessee State University, largest amount of undergraduates in the state right here in Murfreesboro. And so you hear people for years are talking about, well, that's where we're losing kids. We're losing kids when they go off to college. Well, that's why we had a worship service. It's 930 over there for parents and their kids. Isn't that exciting to do that? Let's go to them. They're not going to come to us. Let's go to them. That's the kind of place we want this to be because Jesus has called us to that. And so it's, it's always going to be aggressive in nature, taking the gospel to our culture. And so why do I say that? Because if you want to be a part of something like that, let's go. But I realize it's not for everybody, right? It's not for everybody. We have this moment in time. Let's swing for the fences. Let's see if God can do something amazing in our generation in this city as God is sending people to Middle Tennessee that we couldn't do something that would be a movement that would last far beyond our lifetime for the glory of God. So that's why we go. So we say here at New Vision, here's our dream. That was a long way around the barn. We're not going to fill in all our blanks today. Just relax. We'll let you out on time, okay? Breathe easy. He hadn't even started the message yet. Hadn't even filled in any blanks yet. (laughs) <laughs> I know what you're thinking. I'd be thinking the same thing, right? That's how I measure how long is this going to be, just through point two. We've got seven points today. I only made it through two of them. Here's our vision at New Vision. We want every person here to have an as-you-go relationship. 
every person here to have somebody in their life, a classmate, a neighbor, a friend that you're praying for and encouraging, investing. We talk about investing and inviting. We just, Nathan was just baptized in the last service, talking to his mom upstairs. You know, what, what was it? Just a friend invited her here. They came here, and look what they were involved in today. Isn't that exciting? That's what we're talking about. And so wonder if we all had someone like that. Now, let's, uh, let's take a look at what the Scripture says today. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open them up to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, as you're turning, let me remind you in just a few moments, in 15 minutes, we are going to receive communion. And so when we receive communion, we share this meal together, Lord's Supper together, we should always do at least three things every time we share communion. I want to set this up to get you ready. Number one, we should remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Number two, we should rejoice, those of us who are in Christ, for our forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And number three, we should repent. We should examine ourselves and repent as we hold the body and the blood of Jesus, these symbols in our hand, repent of anything in our life that is outside of the will of God. Those three things should happen. And so as we're looking at this today, let's begin to prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper in just a few moments. Could we do that? Now, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 28. Let's begin in verse 16, which is maybe a little bit bit earlier than sometimes what we begin when we look at this passage. If you're new to studying the Bible, uh, when did Jesus say this? Well, this is uh, after Jesus uh, has lived his entire life, ministered for three years, was arrested, crucified, in the grave for three days, resurrected, and then in a 40-day period, teaching his disciples and others, he said many things. This is one of the things that he said, and this is, I think, really the culmination of Jesus' ministry. This isn't the last thing that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven, but it is one of the final things he said. And in many ways, it's really the climax of his ministry. He said, our our scripture says this, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed. Why 11? Because Judas had betrayed Jesus, sold him out to the Jews, Uh, through the Romans and then taken his life. So we're 11. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. That's a little bit of a confusing passage. When they saw him, they worshiped. Who's the the they? I think that they are the 11 disciples that had been with Jesus and knew him as the long-awaited Messiah, knew him as the Son of God, as evidenced by his, his teaching ministry, his miracles, his sacrificial death. They knew he was the fulfillment of everything the Old Testament had said. And now as he's resurrected as a Son of God, as proof that he is a long-awaited Messiah, but some doubted, meaning there were a larger crowd there other than those just 11 disciples. Does that make sense? Some are believing, some are doubting. We're all on this continuum of faith. Can you look this way this morning? Everybody in this room at some level is on this continuum of faith. And there are some here today who are firmly convinced that Jesus is Messiah and Lord and you're worshiping Him here. You're growing in your relationship with Him uh, here today. You're not perfect. You don't have it all figured out, but you're longing to grow with the Lord. There are others of you here today who are kind of dipping your feet in the water. You have a lot of doubts. You have a lot of questions. And we want this to be a safe place. God can handle your doubts. The Lord Jesus will meet you there. 
So there are just people at a lot of different places. And that's the way it will be in your life, not just in this room, but that's the way it will be in your life. You will interact with people in your life, in your sphere of influence that are at a lot of different places. There are people in your life or will be people in your life that are walking very closely to Jesus and God will use them to grow your faith and to encourage you and hold you accountable. And they will be used of God to anchor your soul. And then there will be people in your life who are just absolute skeptics of everything that is true and everything the Scripture teaches. And then there will be people that God is just moving and working in their life. They haven't yet crossed the line of faith, but they're very open to who Jesus is because of what is going on in their life. So in your life, you have people at all different places. That's the way it was when Jesus said this. I'm trying to give you some context here. Does that that make sense? And what I really want us to do is to begin to be more aware of where these people are that God is placing in our life. In verse 18, and, and Jesus came and he said to them, all authority... In heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, Matthew brings out this word authority probably more than any of the four gospel writers. Uh, he wants us to understand that Jesus has all authority. And, and throughout Matthew's gospel, he shows that, that Jesus had authority even over the weather when he calmed the, the sea on the Sea of Galilee, that Jesus had authority over demons when he cast out demons. Jesus had authority over illness when he healed. And, and what we're seeing now is Jesus has authority even over death and his resurrection. So he has all authority on heaven and on earth. And I believe that to be true. That is a bold statement, isn't it? And you might be here today and you might say, well, you know what? How can anyone say that they have all authority? How can anyone say that they have a corner on truth? Can't people just believe what they want to believe? That makes sense, doesn't it? How can someone so, be so arrogant to say that they have all authority on heaven and earth? How can anybody say that? I'll tell you how. Let a man die. Let a man be buried. And let that man walk out of the grave three days later. That's a man who's got authority. That's a man who's got all authority. That's never been done before. That's the God man. You see it? All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And what Jesus is doing, oh, that you could get this. Oh, that you could get this. Jesus is transferring that. He's saying, I am giving you this authority to do, to extend the kingdom. You're a part of what I'm doing. I want you to see it. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to you. Now, therefore, go and make money. Go and make God-fearing babies. That's not what the Bible says. So you're like, I didn't see that. I don't know what translation that is. I like it better, to be honest. <laughs> Go and make disciples. He says, here's this authority that I've given you, and here's what you're to do with it. Go and make disciples of all nations. That's why Bob was out here today. Bob, our mission pastor. If you haven't got to meet Bob, I want you to get a chance to meet Bob. Bob is a great leader. Bob was my boss years ago when I was at First Baptist Hendersonville. I didn't like him a whole lot then. He was, he was my boss. Now I'm his boss. That is so great, isn't it? God is so good. And I, I, it's just been one of the joys of my life to be able to tell him to do things, and he actually does it. I, I love it. And it's, I know it's not right, but anyways, I'm a work in progress. Be careful, the people who work for you right now. You could be working for them one day. But we're trying to uh, 
start churches around the world. Sometimes people say, why are we starting churches in Haiti? Why are we starting churches in the Dominican Republic? I mean, there's plenty of problems around here. You're right. Well, let me tell you why we're doing that, because Jesus told us to. (laughs) Go make disciples of all nations, because Jesus told us to. Now, that should be enough, shouldn't it? But we're Americans, so it's not. How many churches did you drive by today to get here? You see, the access that we have in this country and in this city to the gospel is amazing. Most of you drove by five churches, good churches, to get here today. We're starting, we're starting a church in Haiti, and, and we were down there in, in, in May when, when Daniel and Laura met this lady. I mean, it is a 30-minute drive into the middle of nowhere, and her access and her neighbor's access to the gospel is non-existent. There isn't an evangelical church really anywhere close, and so we've showed up there. You've got to bring your own chairs, and you just sit out in the yard, and people come, and they gather, and they sit out, and there's a church that's being started there. Why? Because Jesus told us to do that, and because there are places on planet Earth where people don't have the access to the gospel that we do. So that's why we go, baptizing them. There were 25 people baptized here yesterday. Isn't that exciting? Jesus said, I want you to go and make disciples, and part of that is I want you to baptize them. Now, if if you're here today, you might ask the question, well, what what does that mean? Does baptism save? This is a a great question. I always answer this about baptism. People say, Pastor Brady, do you believe baptism saves? I say yes and no. That creates some confusion, but at least they listen. I say baptism doesn't impart salvation, but I say this, a person who is truly born again wants to be baptized to identify themselves as a follower of Christ. I don't know a person who truly has been born again that is a new creation in Christ who doesn't want to obey Christ, and that's the first thing Christ asks them to do. So if you're here today having said yes to Christ, but you've never followed through in believer's baptism, I know this for sure. I know this for sure. You will not grow. You will not. There will be a ceiling on your spiritual growth. Jesus says, go to all nations, make disciples, and here's what you do. You baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you teach them to observe all that I have commanded. People are so critical of us. Even when we have events, I know it's, it happens every single week. We have events, and we had this week, Wednesday night, tons of kids. And we'll have people say, well, the only reason you had kids here is because you grilled burgers. Thank you for that. Were you a middle school and a high school student? I mean, you think, think about your schedule. I mean, it took, a little, it took something to get you to go somewhere, right? For me, it was girls and food. If you had those, I might be there. I mean, we're not, we're, not, we're not trying to reach seminary students here. We're trying to reach people who don't know Jesus, who've not been exposed to Jesus. So if that means throw a burger out there, so be it. Go do it, right? And they, they showed up here and they heard the gospel. The, the, the gospel was taught and, 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 and preached and, and, and their lives are going, to, there's a chance that their life could be impacted through that. Now, that's not the end. You see that? That's not the end. Those kids who come to faith in Christ, we want to take them around the diamond. That's why you're being called to, to teach, to lead, to teach a small group. Take a group of middle school boys. It's one thing to sit in this room and say, yay, God, that this many middle school kids came to faith in Christ. It's another thing to say, I'm going to do what Jesus Christ has called me to do, to step into the arena, to teach them so that they can know the truths about Jesus Christ. I'm at this place in my life, you're never going to run out of critics. There's all kinds of critics, plenty of critics. There are just way fewer people who step into the arena to do anything about it. Do you see that? Jesus said, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And then look what he says, this great promise. We're always looking for promises. 
I mean, there's a hundred different Bible promise books that you can get. We want a promise. You, you, want a, you want God's, here's what you need more than anything else. Can I just tell you? Here's what you need more than anything else right now. You need the presence of God in your life. Would you agree with that? You know where you, you, know where you can surely find the presence of God? Be involved in the mission of God. He says, and surely I am with you always. That's where it's at. Uh, you, you, you have in your notes seven things that, uh, that I think everybody needs to know about witnessing. I'm going to share two of them. Is that okay? I've got four minutes. Can you breathe easy? Here's, here's why we witness, and I hope you'll come back next week and we'll finish this up. Here's why we witness. We witness because Jesus has called us to, but the first reason we witness because there's no plan B. There's no plan B. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you being able to share the truth of who Jesus Christ is to you, to those that God has placed in your life, that is God's plan A and there is no plan B. Christ followers, you have this in your notes, have been commanded and commissioned to be a witness. I was saying this on Thursday night. My, both of my boys at some point in time in their baseball career were pitchers. And um, if your kid has ever pitched in a baseball game, I, I needed to be on medication. I, I mean, I, I, playing didn't make me nervous. But when your kid's standing out there on the mound, Mark, you know what it's like. It's like you need, I need to be on something here. This is terrible. And when you looked over and your kid goes out to start an inning and there's two guys warming up in the bullpen, you're like, oh, boy, this isn't going good. It's going to take him out, Right? And sometimes Amy would ask that. She said, is anybody down there? Meaning, is anybody warming up? Because you know what that means. Like, as soon as you make a mistake, you're out. And you think, well, thanks for that baseball illustration. Can I tell you something? Look at me. Nobody's warming up in the pen. Nobody's warming up in the pen. You're on the mound. With the people that God has placed in your life, there's nobody in the bullpen. There is no plan B. And, and, and let, me, let me just tell you something. We have a great William Wallace clip that we're not going to show because we're out of time, the Braveheart movie. Uh, every, I know, I'm sorry. The music went too long. <laughs> you, you, know the, you know the clip, don't you? Mel Gibson, 1995 Braveheart. You've got, every dude needs to watch Braveheart once a year just to get back to what it means to be a man. I mean, there's no question about that. And the army of Scotland is lined up against King George, 13th century, against the army of England. They're overmatched, and Scotland's army is about to turn and retreat, and here he comes, rolling in, face painted. William Wallace rolls in. He just calls them out, you know, and, and he tells them, you know, you, you're free, but what are you going to do with your freedom? And they say, we're going we're gonna to run so that we can live. And he says, live you will. But one day when you're lying in your bed, at the end of your life, you would trade every moment from now until then for this moment to take a stand and to fight. And they go nuts. The people who are leaving turn around and start walking back. I think that's a picture of the church today. Look around you. We're God's army, but we've stepped out of the fight we thought God had somebody else in the pen. He doesn't need me. There is no plan B. Wonder if you took this command and this commission seriously to be a witness for Jesus Christ in your generation, on your battlefield, what could God do? Number two, and our men are preparing for communion. Guys, if you want to go ahead and get ready, we're, we're seconds away. 
The second thing I would say is there is no plan B, number one. Number two, we're always witnessing. Well, I'm not into witnessing. I'm not into evangelism. I appreciate the people who are, but I'm not. Can I tell you something? You're always witnessing. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's not something that you do. It's something that you are. Jesus said this way, whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. So I am a witness for Jesus. I'm a picture of who Jesus is every single day. Tomorrow at the office, the way I go about my work is a witness for Jesus Christ. This afternoon at the soccer field, the way that I relate to those parents, the way that I relate to those officials, watch out, that is a witness. You are always witnessing with what we say and with what we do. And, 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 and please watch this. One of the reasons that we step back from evangelism is this. We'll get into it next week. I don't know what to say. Well, witnessing starts with not saying anything. But with the people in your life that you love them, that you serve them, you take serious this role to be, to be a witness I never will forget, years ago, we had a neighbor, and I'm trying to talk really fast, and he was not a nice dude. Can I just, can we just leave it at that? He's a tough dude. And uh, he listened to death metal, and not, if you're into death metal, I'm not saying that's bad, but he was just a rough guy. You just, he was gruff, and I don't know. And, and I remember we, we, we prayed for him. And, and finally, one day, he, I mean, his garage looked like a, 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 a pit crew for a NASCAR shop. He had every tool, but he had, a, he had a lawnmower that broke, and I was just able to let him borrow mine for a moment. And uh, no, that's exactly wrong. My lawnmower broke, and I asked him to come over. I still, he's sitting in his garage listening to Led Zeppelin, smoking a cigarette. Not that that'll send you to hell. I'm not saying that. It'll just make you smell like you've been there. You know what I mean? That's the deal there. Got to be clear. And uh, he was just, he just had that look like, what a loser. Can't even fix his own lawnmower. And I said, hey, man, could you help me? And he walked over and he fixed my mower. I thanked him and we kind of struck up a friendship. We had him over for dinner. It was rough, man. And over time, just through loving him, praying for him and encouraging him, he came to faith in Christ. And we got to see a rough old dude be changed by the power of the gospel. It wasn't anything elaborate that we said. It's just taken seriously. Listen, you can take seriously your role to be a witness. You're doing it all day, every day anyways. But what are people seeing about Jesus through your life? As you hold these elements, guys, you want to go ahead and start passing them out? Would you do that for me? Thank you. As you're holding these elements in your hand today, could one of the things you think about be... Father, how am I representing you? What kind of witness am I? If there's something that's going on in my professional life and my, my personal life, that there's something right now, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit that you're bringing to my attention, it's, it's unforgiveness. I don't know what it is. It's my language in the workplace that is confusing to people. Lord, whatever it is, Holy Spirit, would you bring that to my attention? Anything that is making it cloudy for people to see you for who you are. Father, as I hold these elements in my hand today, I want to confess that. Father, as we come to this sacred and special meal where we hold the bread and the cup in our hand, Father, we want to reflect, and Lord, let this be a time of true examination. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us anything in our lives that we need to repent of and yield to you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in. 
If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.